Welcome to Fiduciary Talk. I'm Dwayne Thompson, Senior Policy Analyst at FI360, and here with me today to discuss the impact of the DOL's fiduciary rule on health savings accounts is Blaine Aiken, Executive Chairman at FI360. Welcome, Blaine. Thank you, Dwayne. It's good to be here. All right. Uh, let's get down to it. Last week, by coincidence, Investment News published your column on health savings accounts on the very same day that the House of Representatives passed its new health care bill to replace Obamacare. The final bill passed by the House pretty much included the same increase in the original proposal that nearly doubles the current HSA contribution limit of $3,400 for individuals to $6,550. As you noted in your column, no matter what Congress does, and obviously the Senate is now going to take up the health care reform bill, HSAs are here to stay and they are poised to grow in the future. Can you give us a quick overview of why HSAs are becoming popular and what role does the Department of Labor's new fiduciary rule play in all of this? Well, sure. Uh, in a nutshell, HSAs are very attractive savings vehicles for investors. They're triple tax advantaged. If you are eligible to open an account, HSAs offer upfront tax deductions for contributions. Secondly, investments grow tax-free. Third, the withdrawals are not taxed as long as they are used for qualified medical expenses. In addition to that, there's no use it or lose it requirement like there is in flex plans, which require contributions to be used in the same year. Financial advisors are increasingly recognizing the value of HSAs as a retirement and risk management tool since the balance can be carried over from year to year. You know, Fidelity Investments recently did an analysis indicating about three-quarters of HSA account holders withdraw less than they contribute. So as a result, HSAs have grown to $37 billion in assets, and there are 20 million accounts at the end of 2016. They are expected to reach $53 billion by the end of 2018. So this total includes nearly $9 billion in investments since the bulk of the accounts are still spent on medical year. Fidelity also estimated that the average couple that retires at age 65 will need at least $260,000 for health care expenses in retirement. So while HSAs certainly aren't the answer for everyone, they are, as I said, very attractive in many respects. Uh, well, Blaine, let's talk now about the pending fiduciary regulation of HSA investments and, and really all, all investments that are covered by ERISA. Can you tell us what's happening on that front? Yes, and, and you know, although HSAs have been around for quite a while, they were authorized by Congress 14 years ago, no one has really thought much about them as savings tools until very recently. But when the DOL reintroduced its fiduciary rule in 2015, a number of groups raised concerns about whether advice on how to invest contributions to HSA accounts would be a fiduciary act, since they are covered by the Department of Labor's authority to regulate prohibited transaction exemptions uh, under the tax code. Most advisors think of IRAs in terms of the tax code, but the new fiduciary rule does also cover HSAs as well as uh, Archer medical savings accounts and Coverdale uh, education accounts as well. So during the middle of the debate last year over the proposed DOL rule, some of the HSA service providers argued that advice on those accounts 
should not be included uh, under the fiduciary standard or under the rule. But the DOL did disagree on that. Uh, the DOL responded that the final rule, the SAs like IRAs are entitled to the same protection afforded by those uh, prohibited transaction rules that the agency had promulgated. So as a result, uh, when the DOL rule does go into effect, and the applicability date is currently June 9th, then advice to HSA account holders on their investments will in fact be covered by the rule. Oh, that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, so what does that mean in practical terms for an advisor looking at that June 9th uh, deadline? Well, one of the first things an advisor needs to do is to look at whether they have a conflict or not in providing advice on the HSA. And as a general rule of thumb, if the advisor charges a level fee that essentially matches the market pricing for advisory services, in other words, the compensation is reasonable, then there's generally no conflict. However, if the advisor expects to receive a commission or 12B1 trails or other third-party compensation for the recommendations, in other words, it would push them into the non-level category, then they would probably need to use that best interest contract exemption or another safe harbor in order to be compensated for that advice. So in, in short, uh, on June 9th, the DOL's rule will require advisors using an ERISA safe harbor. Uh, they'll have a fiduciary obligation to make sure that they act in the client's best interest, charge no more than reasonable compensation, and make no misleading statements about that transaction. So uh, that leaves the other part of a fiduciary duty, the duty of care, which is is included in, in, in that whole uh, regulatory scheme that the Department of Labor put out. Uh, Blaine, in your column, you also suggested that while the Department of Labor did not spell out a due diligence process that advisors should follow in making sure the recommendation is suitable, as a best practice, you believe they would be well served to set up a standard and consistent procedure. Can you give us an idea of what that might involve, no matter whether the advisor is paid a level fee or a commission? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, along with identifying any potential conflicts, as I mentioned, one of the first and most obvious steps that an advisor needs ability analysis. So I suggest that this involves really two basic steps. First, they need to look at uh, the account selection, and second, the investment options that will be recommended. So under the first step, the advisor needs to determine whether the client is even eligible to open an HSA. In general, the HSA must be paired with a high deductible health plan and meet a minimum deductible. And then further, it is advisable for the account holder to make sure that they are aware of what medical procedures count towards the deductible and so forth. These are the things that you would typically look at for an HSA in a medical situation like this. And depending on the scope of the engagement, the advisor may also get involved in helping review different HSA options. And these can vary considerably in terms of the number of investment options offered, as well as the costs and other things. So in short, before drilling down into the actual investment recommendations, the advisor should consider a due diligence process that reviews the basic strategy of opening an investment account. Well, that sounds like uh, quite a bit. Uh, are there other regulators like the SEC or FINRA focused on HSA accounts? You know, up, up to this point at least, we haven't seen any guidance or references to regulatory priorities 
uh, by the SEC or FINRA involving HSAs, but I think it's probably only a matter of time as HSAs continue to grow, and especially if Congress increases the limits on the HSA contributions, then regulators will begin to pay more attention to HSAs. Well, that seems to make sense. Uh, for the time being, though, what should financial advisors be concerned about in terms stepping back and looking at the big picture in, in terms of overall regulation when they advise a client on HSA investments? Well, as you know, Dwayne, uh, at FI360, we've always said that the best approach is operating under the highest standard and having these regimented procedures. For the most part, I think that an advisor who meets the DOL's new fiduciary requirements should be confident that they will be in compliance with the rules and the SEC for investment advice. The one caveat that I would add is that FINRA's suitability rules require consideration of additional factors that are not spelled out under the DOL rule, such as taking a look at the client's investment time horizon, the liquidity needs, the tax status, and so forth. Uh, in a lot of ways, these things kind of go unsaid but, uh, but understood under the DOL uh, rule, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, following the prudent practices and operating with essentially a checklist, uh, checklist that uh, looks at these items would, would certainly be helpful. Well, Blaine, thanks for sharing your perspective on HSAs. It certainly is going to be interesting following what Congress ends up doing with HSAs as well as with health care reform and, and how advisors adapt to the new fiduciary requirements after June 9th. Well, you're certainly welcome, Dwayne. It was uh, good to be with you again.